Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is October 6th. 2017. My name is Phil Prosperich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Got a bit of a different episode for you today. Doing uh, a big, a big interview with uh, uh, with Ricky Skrika of Orlando Magic Daily. We're going to talk about outside perceptions and why they do kind of matter when it comes to your, to the Orlando Magic. Um, he wrote a great piece on OrlandoMagicDaily.com last week about how the Magic are trying to rebuild kind of their national perception. Um, you know, and even even in the interview, I forgot to talk about uh, the Kevin Durant thing from a while back. Uh, but um, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. But before we do, I wanted to make sure I recapped Thursday's game against the Dallas Mavericks. And before I get into that, of course, remember you can subscribe to the Locked On Magic podcast on iTunes and Audio Boom as well as download the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you want the Dallas Mavericks perspective on Thursday's basketball game, you can download Locked On Mavericks. If you're looking to get ready for Saturday's game against the Miami Heat, you can download Locked On Heat. They do a great job over at Locked On Heat talking about that team. And just like Locked On Magic, where you get the great day-to-day coverage of every team, the details, the nitty-gritty details, you get the same thing on every Locked On podcast. And in fact, we also have the Locked On NFL Network as well. Locked On Packers got a huge interview for their show, so be sure to check that out as well, as well as the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, you can find them on iTunes or Audio Room. Just search Locked On and your favorite NBA or NFL team name, and you will find them there. Let's uh, dive real briefly in, before we get to the longer portion of this uh, of this podcast. Let's dive real briefly into this game on Thursday. The Orlando Magic defeat the Dallas Mavericks one twelve to eighty nine in a game that you can both take a lot from, but also not take anything from. From the very beginning, the Dallas Mavericks sent signals that they didn't really care about this game. For some reason, Dallas scheduled for themselves a home road back to back where they're traveling west to east. They played in Dallas last night against the Chicago, or Wednesday night against the Chicago Bulls. So, Dirk Nowitzki didn't travel. Harrison Barnes didn't travel. Josh McRoberts didn't travel. Nerlens Noel didn't travel. Wesley Matthews didn't travel. J.J. Barea didn't travel. Essentially, any veteran player on the Dallas Mavericks did not make the trip to Orlando. Even Coach Rick Carlisle decided not to travel. But, the game's on the schedule. You played anyway. And certainly, your expectations maybe change as a Magic fan to think, okay, the Magic need to take care of business. And that's not something they always did last year. Remember, Dallas came into town last year and had a bare-bones lineup, not unlike this one, and gave the Magic everything they could handle. Orlando really had to fight to get that win at home last year at the Amway Center. But 
the Magic did take care of business. And, and, and as Frank Vogel said throughout the day uh, when he talked to the media, um, we're not worried about who's lining up against us right now. We're worried about playing to our standard. And while, of course, it's the second preseason game, so things aren't very clean, the Magic still played pretty well, and there was a lot to like about the way the Magic played. Of course, the final score says it all, 112-89. to 89. Aaron Gordon, 17 points, 6 for 12, shooting 10 rebounds. Nikola Vucevic, 14 points, 6 for 11, shooting. Terrence Ross hit his only shot on the day. Evan Fournier, 8 points, 3 for 5, shooting. Mario Zonia, 11 points on 4 for, four for 10. Uh, Jonathan Simmons, 10 points, 4 for 12. Magic shoot 47.7% from the floor. 11 for 28 from beyond the arc. They total 48 points in the paint, 13 fast break points. They really dominated the game in every way that they could. But really, it's about playing to that standard. It's really about playing to the level that the Magic are trying to eventually get to and eventually want to be. And it's about playing the way that the Magic want to play. And while they're by no means perfect, it certainly felt like they were getting there. Uh, you know, we really focus on uh, on us, uh, especially in this preseason. You can't look at who's across uh, another team. Uh, I mean, if, they, if they're playing an NBA team, that means they're here for a reason. So, you know, we didn't take this game lightly. Like, oh, I didn't have their starters or some of their best players. So we try to focus on us, on ourselves, and what we can do in order to improve. And, uh, uh, Jail as a team, and I thought we did that tonight. We played well offensively, defensively. We did okay for the most part. Then uh, rebounding should have been a little better, but it's kind of hard when they shoot so many threes, a lot of the rebounds are long rebounds. And uh, but you know, I think this preseason we need to use it to really work on you know, what we need to work on to improve and be ready for the one season start. Like most of these early preseason games, take it all with at least a little grain of salt, uh, especially this one with the Mavericks out so many guys, but. I do think that it's instructive that the Magic came in, took care of business. They they dominated this this team. They you know beat them up pretty bad. Took as much of a twenty five point lead, led the entire way. It felt like uh, there's some lead changes early on. They kept Dallas very inefficient. They shot thirty three percent for the game, twenty nine point three percent from beyond the arc, forced them into a lot of rush, uh, difficult threes, uh, and they were able to get out in transition. The Magic looked like a good team. They looked like the team that they want to be using their defense to force offense, to, to create offense. And that's really what the Magic wanted. That's really what uh, the Magic want to be. And so, you know, as I said after Monday's game, what the Magic want, the Magic want to be a little, be better than they were the previous game and to take a step further. I think the Magic accomplished that goal. I think that the Magic uh, really did a good job doing that and and looked cleaner that their defense isn't quite there yet isn't completely there yet but it's better but it looked better than it was they, they didn't seem as jumpy they seemed a little bit more together they recovered well um their rebounding was probably their biggest weakness they sometimes didn't get back out to the three-point line as quickly as they could or should or need to but overall the magic i thought were better than they were Monday night and played a lot better. Again, maybe the competition had a little bit something to do that. Do with that. Offensively, the Magic made their shots. I mean, forty-seven point seven percent. They they made nine of their first eighteen three pointers, so they missed two of their final ten. But the starters did their job. I mean, the guys that you care about played well. Even the second unit, I thought, played significantly better on went on Thursday than they did on Monday. So I think the Magic took some very very good steps. Aaron Gordon was aggressive, attack you know attacking especially in transition. 
Um, I think that every everything else seemed to fall into place. Nikola Vucevic hit a couple threes, looked very comfortable shooting from beyond the arc, especially as a trailer in transition. Uh, so it, it felt like the Magic made the progress that they needed to make. Of course, they are far from a finished product. There are still plenty of moments that were just like, oh boy, this is preseason basketball. This is not good basketball. Not only is it not good basketball, it's a team that still needs a little bit of time. So again, not ready to say the Magic are regular season ready quite yet, um, but they're getting there. And I thought that Thursday they took a nice step forward for whatever Thursday's game was worth. Uh, the Magic did some very good things. Um, and, and and I liked the pace of their game, their play. I liked their togetherness. I liked how connected they were. Um, they're still getting some some details down, but overall, a good job by the Orlando Magic on Thursday. A well-deserved one, 12-89 win, and now we'll have to see how they build on it from there with Saturday's game against the Miami Heat. I suspect that Frank Vogel will sit a few starters in that game. We're already beginning to see him experiment with Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac on the floor at the same time. They spent the beginning of the third quarter like that, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if if the magic, uh, how, who the magic sit and how the magic approach this uh, this game on Saturday before they take another little mini road trip um, to Texas and then close the preseason out next Friday. So, a lot to do still in the next week, but overall, the magic in good shape for now. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Like I said, the bulk of today's episode is a conversation that I had with OrlandoMagicDaily.com contributor Ricky Skrika. We talked a lot about the national perception of the Magic and how the Magic can improve that national perception and why that is so important. An interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And and just as an audio note, um, I was having some problems with my call, with my Skype call recorder, so I ended up recording it without my nice microphone that you're hearing me through right now. So if the audio is a little bit off, I apologize. It'll probably sound a little bit different than I do now. Wanted to make sure I get this recap of the game against the Mavericks in there as well. But conversation should still be good. You should still be able to hear it. Just uh, just don't be jarred by the change in microphone uh, quality or whatever. Um, but having said, have, with that warning in place, here's my conversation with Ricky about the magic. And we are now joined by our good pal, Orlando Magic Daily contributor, Ricky Skrika. Uh, Ricky, how are, you, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing really, really well. Um, of course, we're recording this Thursday afternoon before the Magic take on the Dallas Mavericks play their second preseason game. And so, of course, I'll have a re- I'll, I, you probably just listened to me recapping that game to start off the show. But I wanted to have Ricky on, uh, on Locked On Magic here on the Orlando Magic Daily podcast to talk a little bit about an article that he wrote last week um, about the Magic having to repair their national reputation and, and, and why that's important. And I thought he brought up some, some really strong points about it. And so, Ricky, um, before if, if you haven't read it, I'll provide a link up on the Locked On Magic uh, Twitter feed as well as Facebook page uh, and, and share some links there as well. Uh, but, Ricky, uh, for those that maybe didn't get to see it last week, what was kind of the basic gist of what you were trying to get at there? Uh, yeah, basically, I just 
I, I had been reading. It felt like pretty much every you know article, every podcast I listened to that um, was from like a national uh, media person previewing the Magic. It was just lots and lots of um, negativity, which I mean is fine, but I just felt like there would be more, you know, with the new front office coming in. I felt like there was more reasons for optimism than a lot of these people were letting on. And it was kind of disappointing to me because I felt like, you know, if you did your due diligence, you would have more reasons to feel good about the trajectory the Magic are on now versus where they were uh, about a year ago um, or even a few months ago, really. Um, But basically, uh, it just comes down to the fact that it it shows – where the magic are in terms of the public's perception of them. And it's not good because the past five years, they have just been uh, pretty much irrelevant in the national conversation. They have not been a good team. They won uh, 35 games a couple years ago. Other than that, it's been a bunch of 21 seasons and not a lot of superstars or even borderline all-stars that are worth talking about for the national media. So, um, I think what those podcasts and what those articles, uh, some of which I cited in the article I wrote, um, show is that no one is inclined to give the Magic the benefit of the doubt, even though uh, with the new front office, in my opinion at least, they seem to be starting to turn a new leaf. Yeah, and I mean, I, I definitely sense a lot a lot of that too. I mean, I'm list- I've, I've been listening to a podcast today previewing the Southeast Division and really the first thing that, I mean, this is a national podcast, you know, maybe not like, you know, probably, probably, you know, some, some kind of blogger level people that I kind of keep an eye on. Uh, but, but, um, you know, their first reaction when they got to the magic was, you know, what's going on with this roster? What are they trying to do? And, and, um, I still find when I'm hearing national conversations, there are people that still think the magic are going to play Aaron Gordon at small forward. Um, and, and and we all admit that that, that experiment didn't work. Um, whether it could have worked or should have worked or should have even been tried is a debate for another day. Uh, but I, a lot of people recognize that that did not work and that's not the direction the Magic are heading. And, you know, even though they all acknowledge that the Magic have new management, it, it feels like you're you're right. There's this kind of overarching reputation about the, the team and the franchise as a whole that they just can't do anything right. And it's really born, I mean, it's mostly born in the last five years after the Dwight Howard trade, maybe the Dwight Howard trade and kind of how how management upper management um, kind of bungled that a little bit played a role and played a role in that perception too. But uh, I think you're right. There's this, this general perception that that the Magic just can't get their ducks in a row, and no one's willing to to give them the benefit of the doubt or willing to say you know there were some nice things they did. Yeah, there's some questions and some skepticism is earned. Um, and I think the, I think skepticism about this team is completely fair. I'm fairly skeptical about some things about this team, but I think it's 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 a little bit lazy about how the national media covers the magic, and I, I think you're absolutely dead on about that. Yeah, no, absolutely, and um, uh, I think it's also it's 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 let's get it out of the way. This team is not going to be very good. No, it's, no. I mean, there's a chance they could make the playoffs because the back end of the East is obviously very weak. But I don't think anyone is really expecting this Magic team to be world beaters. So if um, any writer wants to come out and feel skeptical about this team, they have every right to feel that way. There, it's it's definitely not off base. But um, the the thing is, it, it just feels like people still see this franchise as having absolutely no direction, 
and that this off season was just a bunch of um, like random nonsense that didn't make any sense with any long term plan. When if you look at what they did, it's um, I thought it was a very very smart off season. There, there was nothing gambly about it. They did as good, in my opinion, as I could have possibly expected. The deals they made were flexible and low risk. They got some interesting players that can provide a little bit of immediate value. Jonathan Simmons, as we saw in that preseason game the other night, is very very good. Um, Shelvin Mack is a uh, you know he's a stable backup point guard, which is another thing we needed. Who uh, the second year of his deal is not guaranteed, um, not fully guaranteed. Um, and yeah, it's, it was just a lot of sensible moves that really don't really they won't hamstring the Magic. Um, in the future, which is what happened last offseason when the Magic did try to make big, splashy moves to win right now. So I, I would read some of these articles that just criticize the Magic for not making splashy moves and just you know continuing to be irrelevant when it's like that's where they are as a franchise right now. They have to do things that are just not gambly. They have to be patient right now. And I think the fact that they did that, this that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond did that, is as good of an indicator as you can possibly have that they don't intend to repeat the mistakes Rob Hennigan made, especially last offseason. Um, but that was something that I think a lot of uh, you know a lot of people I've read or listened to in the national media recently have just kind of glanced over. It's been pretty dismissed. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's definitely some of those national perceptions that that play into into it. I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people who haven't watched the Magic day to day probably still. Th- I mean, I, I hear this a lot with Mario Zonia, and, and and you know, there are plenty of Mario Zonia defenders and and people who believe Mario Zonia maybe hasn't gotten the chance he he deserves or, or needs to, to to fully develop. But fact of the matter is, the guy shot less than thirty percent. So. When the Mag- I mean, I was surprised when the Magic brought in some veterans like Aaron Aflalo uh, and Marie Spates because they, there are I, I would uh, for a team that's in the Magic spot, I'd rather see them maybe take a chance, take a little uh, where they where they can gamble. I think is on young players to come in and fill those bench roles rather than rather than you know these veterans and and uh, you know I think Aflalo and Spates will make the team better. It's not that I don't think they'll make the team better, and they're not on long term deals, so it, it doesn't kill you. Uh, but it, it definitely felt like that if there was a chance to take a gamble to try and mine for some gold, that's how you want to do it. Uh, and so, you know, like the Ken Birch signing after they announced, after they announced they signed Spates, I was like, so why are you signing Ken Birch? Like, what? Where are you going to find minutes for him? And and I think a lot of people look at this roster and they see a lot of young guys that that like with previous regimes, previous coaching regimes, they're afraid that young guys are going to get buried for veterans on a team that isn't really going anywhere. And, you know, behind all this, uh, and, and Hazonia is certainly one of them. I, I mean, I think there's still people, there are definitely still people who believe that Hazonia needs minutes to play. And, and, and I, I'm probably one of them. I think he needs to be in a non-pressure situation with, you know, maybe a really bad team that can afford to let him make mistakes, which the Magic never really gave him uh, to, to, to get, to, to grow with. But the fact of the matter is, this is a Magic team that's still trying to win, uh, rightly or wrongly, that's what they're trying to do. And they're going to play players that will help them win regardless of development paths and, and whatnot. And a new management group is going to believe that too because they don't have any tie to their development. And if, if Aaron Gordon fizzles out this year or you know isn't what they think he is, they have no problem letting him walk, as, 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 as crazy as that sounds right now. 
I don't think they'll have any problem offering him up in trades come the deadline or letting him walk next next summer if it comes to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think another thing with this offseason, um, I, I felt like there was at least some effort to um, kind of start building a, a different kind of culture or at least a, a collective attitude in the locker room, um, which is, I think, at least partially why they signed more veterans rather than taking flyers on younger guys. Because I agree with you. I would have loved for them. I know Tyler Ennis was available. Uh, who's, you know, I mean, that's, you know, signing Tyler Ennis isn't going to probably win you many well. games. But at the very least, I think that would have been an interesting flyer to take on a younger guy who still has some potential at a position where the Magic might need some help at point guard. Um, uh, but overall, I, I, I don't really fault them for signing a guy like a Flalo or a guy like Spates uh, because, well, like you mentioned, those were very low-risk deals. And also, they um, are guys that clearly want to be in Orlando, which I think matters a lot. Like, those are guys that are really excited about being on this team if you see – uh, what they're posting on like Twitter and Instagram. I, 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 Aaron Oflalo made an Instagram like just only a few months ago, and I swear every single post he makes is about how excited he is to be in Orlando, how much he loves the city, how much he loves the team, how much he believes in it. And um, even though you know the value he'll produce on the court is probably going to be pretty limited, I think just having a guy like that around, especially with a good amount of young guys here, um, is going to go a really long way. You know, if a a guy like Jonathan Isaac can come in and see you know, see this veteran who's had a pretty successful career uh, go about his business like uh, like I think he will and like how management I, I believe thinks he will. Um, I think that'll really go a long way in terms of just changing the attitude, which was uh, not a. I think the attitude in the locker room last year was really not where anyone wants it to be. So I do understand uh, the value in, in signing veterans instead of young players there. Yeah, and it's and it's a little bit of a win now move, but there's definitely value in there. And I mean, even Rob Hennigan spoke about uh, having a good mix of veterans and young guys. Like the young the young players need a veteran to kind of show them the way. And I was actually, I think, mm-hmm. among, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, looking back at it. I definitely, uh, as much as I like Evan Fournier, uh, I, I kind of think that the Magic should have kept one of Aaron Aflalo or Jameer Nelson for one more year. Um, after they traded them, those were the two veterans in that locker room that I think really helped guide the guide those young players along and kept them on a positive track. And losing them, I think, really hurt the franchise uh, overall uh, for for the most part. But um, it, it's yeah, it's definitely definitely an interesting interesting problem. But kind of back to this this um, idea of perception around the league. Uh, you know, you wrote about it a little bit, kind of from a from a player perspective. Why does this perception about the direction a team is going or, or how these narratives are built, you know, who knows if players actually listening, listen to these media narratives or how they get their information about different clubs. I mean, I'm sure they talk to each other about different franchises and what they're like. Uh, but but from, from, from your perspective, how does this narrative about the magic harm them in the long run? Well, I, I think, um, well, obviously, you know, there was a little bit of um, buzz, mostly among, I think, just Magic fans and, and writers, not necessarily any really substantial rumors about, you know, maybe making a move for Kyrie Irving when he first made that trade demand. And um, I don't think that was ever really in the cards because, I, you know, I don't think a guy like Kyrie has, uh, like, any desire to be in a franchise that is 
really on the fringes right now of public perception. Like, I, I think it matters a lot to players that where they go will be in a place that people talk about and that, the, the I mean, not even just, you know, the national NBA fan base, but the global NBA fan base cares about. Um, and the Magic just aren't there. They, um, I mean, really, you don't even have to be that good of a team to be a team that people talk about. The Lakers will always be in these conversations because they're in Los Angeles. But the Magic don't have the benefit of being in Los Angeles, so they have to, I guess... They have to be good to just, be talked about. Yeah, exactly. Gotta, they have I, mean, to do, I, I don't want to say do it the right way, necessarily, but just they have to build a good team. They have to build a good, good culture and find... Um, reasons for players and fans to be excited about um, being, you know, affiliated with that franchise. Um, and that's just not there right now. There was, I mean, I don't think there's been real, I mean, the biggest rumor that the Magic were involved in this past offseason was um, Joe Ingles, um, which, you know, I mean, I, I guess part of that was probably just the fact that their cap space was pretty limited and they didn't really want to make any big moves to begin with, but, um, they're just not in that conversation right now, and they won't be until they're a franchise that people decide they are worthy of talking about. These players want to be in places that people talk about, and that's just really what it comes down to, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, I think it, I think there's 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 a lot of interesting elements to that. Um, you know, especially uh, especially when it comes to say uh, like uh, 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 like the fan how the fans feel about their national perception. I mean, I I remember when I was growing up during the Tracy McGrady era. Uh, I would I would get upset when Sports Center didn't put a big TMAC game higher up in their in their Sports Center building, and this is obviously an eight seed. I didn't even then like with uh, NBA All Star, one of the best five players in the league probably at the time. It didn't feel like anyone talked about the Magic enough, and so I I, I think you know in addition to what you say about the players, I think this is very much a thing about mag- the Magic fan psyche. Is you know we, we Orlando is. A, not a small market anymore, but a lot of us grew up here as it was growing up. And so I think we still have this very small market mentality where we're, where we're just constantly shouting, hey, everyone, look at us. We're, we're here. We're, we're more than Disney. You know, we, we're actually a real city sometimes. I mean, I, I, jo- I joke all, all the time about, man, it's like we're a real city, city now. Um, so it, I think that's definitely something that's, something that's within Magic fans. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself there. Um, but I, I generally think from talking to fans that that's definitely something that that's prevalent. Um, but at the same time, I think you also brought up another interesting point about how winning really attracts other players. Um, I remember when we were having those Kyrie Irving debates during the summer, I was in the camp of don't touch him because he's just going to leave in a year. You, you can't, there's no way for this team to get the pieces together to convince him to stay. And mm-hmm. in today's NBA, You've got to you've got to find your star first, and then go out and get other stars. And you've got to find that star, mm-hmm. wrap them up, hug them tight, and then go out and grab guys to play with him. And I think that's what the Magic tried to do initially when they went through the lottery: is let's be bad for a few years, let's get some stars in the draft, or find a star in the draft, and then we'll be able to make maneuvers and moves to to better the roster. I mean. Now, the Victor Oladipo thing, I think, is a is is a fantastic thing, and and that whole situation has not helped the Magic's street cred at all, uh, because mm-hmm. the the Thunder made a deal involving Victor Oladipo. The Magic would never have been able to make, even if they kept Oladipo and Sabonis. The the idea that that the Magic could have traded Oladipo and Sabonis to get Paul George is a farce. 
Um, no, the only, because these trades are as much about timing as anything. Exactly, and it's not just about timing; it's about location. Paul George, the Magic would never yeah. have gotten Paul George because Paul George would have told them, "I am out of there in a year. I, I'm not staying." His agent would have said that in no uncertain terms. Do not trade for him; he will be gone in a year, and and he yeah. wouldn't. There, there would be no hedging that. The Thunder were willing to take that risk because they have Russell West. They had Russell. They have Russell Westbrook at the time. They didn't have Carmelo Anthony yet. But they had Russell Westbrook, and they and they said, you know, we've got Russell. We're gonna, you know, he's gonna be free agent, but we're willing to take this risk. Now they got Russell Westbrook wrapped up, and now it all of a sudden, if if that works this year, now all of a sudden they can maybe really keep Paul George, and that's just that's a position that the Magic just just aren't in, and they can't afford to take that risk and just gut their gut their roster entirely for a, a momentary shot at glory. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, back to Kyrie Irving as well. I mean, obviously, he didn't have a no-trade clause or anything, so just by the letter of the law, he couldn't really dictate where he went. So theoretically, the Cavaliers could have just traded him to the Magic if they want, if the Magic wanted to do that and if the Cavs wanted to do that. Um, but I don't think that's how it works a lot, a lot of the time in the NBA today. I think a lot of GMs, at least the good ones, genuinely care about you know, if they if a superstar wants to be traded, they will go to them and ask, like at least, or their agent or their representation, uh, where do you want to be traded? And they'll at least try to do right by them, or at least that's how it should goes and often does go. So um, theoretically, I mean, and, and, even and though Kyrie didn't have any leverage there, and believe me, the can, agents are probably trying to trying to to influence general managers of of where their client wants to go, especially if they're a big client. Uh, to influence that process too. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not even just players that have no trade clauses denying um, their GM's uh, trade to Orlando. It's it, it can really just be any trade. Um, so uh, it, it it runs pretty deep, I think, how this perception works. Um, and uh, you mentioned um, home growing stars and how that's kind of where everything has to stem from, um, like Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City. Uh, I mentioned this in my article too, but the Magic really just have been unlucky uh, drafting in the lottery the past few years. They missed out on um, a lot of superstars very narrowly. They narrowly they missed out on Chris Stops Porzingis uh, by one pick. They missed out on Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid. Um, the list goes on, and when they did pick second in the draft, when they did draft that high, uh, it was historically they got Victor Oladipo, who I think is a very good player, but it was still a historically weak draft, and that's um, probably if you you know uh, if you went back over the past five years and picked a draft to pick second in, that would probably be the last one you picked. But you know that's where the magic are. That's kind of what happens, and that's how uh, tanking can go wrong. That's how being bad will not always net you that superstar. Um, so it's really just kind of, it's been a combination of mismanagement on Rob Hennigan's part and just bad lottery luck. Um, because at least in my opinion, and some people will probably disagree with this, um, I don't think the draft decisions the Magic have made, you know, besides the Serge Ibaka trade, um, have been, you know, like indefensible by any stretch of the imagination. Like they made decent draft picks that were very like understandable at the time. I don't think they did anything that wrong. They just were in bad positions um, for the most part. So, and there's nothing you can really do about that, but they're at the position now where 
Um, it's uh, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to start building a culture and just trying to develop the young players that you do have into a good team, or do you want to just tank even for another five years, another three years, whatever, um, and just be even more miserable? It's it's definitely a difficult position to be in. Yeah, and I, I think I think you're. I mean, I, I would defend the Magic's draft picks at least with the information we had at the time pretty heavily too. I mean, the only player. The only player I probably have a little bit of regret on, uh, even though he was the player that I would have picked in that draft, is Hazonia. Um, mm-hmm. Because Hazonia just he just has not looked like an NBA player in two years, uh, and there were definitely some some more interesting options. But at the same time, you know, uh, the criticism of of Rob Hennigan was that he didn't build a roster together. He, the roster construction was never strong with him. His, the, the players that they drafted never really seemed to fit together. Uh, and and if if I had a criticism for him, it would be. He had a plan and just assumed it would work and, and didn't adjust when things didn't work, i.e. not winning the lottery when he needed to win the lottery uh, to, to, to develop, to bring in those star players. And, um, you know, like I, that, that's one of the reasons why I never had a problem with the Victor Oladipo, Serge Ibaka trade was it was the exact kind of risk the Magic needed to take. And it just didn't work out. I mean, obviously, um, it, it, you're, you're kind of a, a summation of your, ga- of your gambles. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess... The next question would be, is is how how do the Magic regain their national reputation or, or, or national perception? Is it just a simple matter of winning? Or is there another way that they can start getting back on the right track to where they're thought of as a, as a place that is okay for me to look at as a maybe mid-tier free agent? Yeah, well, I think... Um... I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of winning this season, but I do think um, this team should and will try to win as many games as possible um, and and probably end up in the general 30 to 35 win range, um, which, I mean, in this Eastern Conference could end up uh, in playoff position. Um, And I think just even though a 35-win season with an 8-seed isn't, you know, probably the most amazing accomplishment in the world, I think just being able to say, oh, we were a playoff team would go a long way. Or at least if the Magic can look like a team that cares and a team that really tries and has interesting pieces, that could be a reason... um, that, that could give free agents a reason to, you know, give them more than just a passing glance. Um, and, I mean, you know, the other night that was just one preseason game, but the way um, I, I think you saw the team play defense um, and hustle, I think bodes really well for how this next season might look. Um, and I think that's all you really can do at this point, because I think another season um, where the team wins 20 to 25 games or anything in – maybe below or around that um, will just make the team look even more miserable, the franchise look even more miserable and fans more disgruntled and free agents even less interested. And with the lottery reform, which oh, that doesn't come into place uh, this season, but the next, but um, taking that into account as well, um, I think taking is even less in, um um, interesting of a, being bad is less likely to pay off because now if you get um, if you're the worst team in the league you only have a 14 percent chance to get the number one pick versus uh, in the past um, where you had a 25 percent chance so I guess you could also look at that and say um, this season the magic absolutely need to tank pieces their last chance to really do that but I just think um, 
this team is not going to be bad enough um, to break into that, um, the, I guess, the bottom three. Um, and they shouldn't want to be either because they've been very bad for years now. And I think it's time that um, they just start focusing on uh, building a culture for the future. And that just, I think, comes through just going out and trying to win every game um, and trying to get the most out of every single player on the roster. Um, and we just got to see where that uh, lands the team at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right on there. Um, you know, I've kind of described this as a no-lose season. Either the team is is good and they make some progress and, and it looks like they have some interesting pieces and, and they're growing in the right direction. Uh, and, and so you can say, oh, you know, we're, they're, they're, they're moving in the right place and, and there's something to build off of. Or they're really bad and they get a high draft pick. So I, I don't think that there is necessarily a bad outcome. Um, you know, Chris, our pal Chris Barnwell of CBS Sports, I think, said it really well. The Magic really are just setting their own expectations this year. And, and I think it's interesting that, uh, that, you know, we're talking about external expectations and, and, and all this stuff and these outside perceptions. And really this year for the Magic isn't about any of that. It's, it's about what they can accomplish and, 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 you know, kind of instructing what they can do to, to, to the new management group out there. Um, you know, bef- before we move on and, and talk a little bit more about the uh, individual season, I, I, I do want to note that, um, and I don't know if you've, you've been following this or have heard this, um, I haven't quite posted the quote yet uh, on it, uh, but, um, you know, the, 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 this Orlando thing that's going on, um, it, it's, it's really interesting to see the magic kind of embrace this mentality um, for, for whatever, you know, for whatever it's worth. Um, if you don't know the story, uh, during the Orlando Magic's Facebook Live at Media Day, Mario Azonia kind of joked that, you know, he got his hair cut and he joked that, you know, he asked the barber to, to make him look ready for war and he coined the term Orlando, or he coined a, a, a phrase Orlando. And, you know, a couple of fans made some graphics about it and, and made a video. And Aaron Aflalo actually ended up posting um, uh, uh, one of the images on his Instagram, you know, and, and so it seems like the team is really taking this, this, this kind of mentality about it, um, which I think is good. I think obviously getting, trying to forge an identity and forge some chemistry is really, really good. And you can do that through kind of, uh, mutual, uh, mutual motivation, uh, against media expectations. Uh, but I asked Mario about, about this Orlando idea catching on among fans. And, and he, he cited specifically kind of this outside perception that, he, that he felt that a lot of players around the league really disrespect the Magic and that that needs to stop and that that's, that's something that the Magic, at the very least, hope to accomplish this year, uh, that, that they can get other teams to respect them a little bit more and respect their program a little bit more, um, which, which I think is a really interesting goal. Um, as, I've, as I've kind of said on this podcast, uh, I think that the Magic's real goal this year isn't necessarily a win total. I think their real goal is to bring hope back to the fan base and give fans a reason to believe this team can take the next step. And I'd like to know what you think about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love the Orlando thing. And I think it really shows that this team does care about that perception. It cares about winning these. um, Although the players they brought in are on pretty short short term deals. um, They, they want to get the most out of their time here. Um, and I, I think that in itself and the fact that there's a lot of 
good basketball players on this team, really good athletes, um, will catch a, a lot of bad teams, um, and even maybe some good ones sleeping, especially once you get into the dog days of January and February. Um, and I think that alone will win the Magic some games. And I think, um, I, I think you're right. I think a huge goal for this season should just be to uh, bring hope back to the fan base and you know, give some more reasons for optimism. And at the very least, maybe we'll be able to come out of this season being like, wow, look, Aaron Gordon took a really big step forward or Jonathan Isaac looked very good um, or whatever. And maybe a free agent will look and see the magic as a team that has a lot of interesting pieces that could be around for a while. Um, And I think really that's probably the best outcome for the season, even if that is only a 33, 31 season, whatever. Um, I, th- I think that is as good of an outcome as any, honestly, um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that uh, take place on the court. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a really really interesting season, and, and so I wanted to get your thoughts on 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 the year as a whole. Um, you know, what what are you most looking forward to from from this Magic team this season? Um, just kind of, I guess, generally generally just to start off with. I I just want to see this team get out and transition. I think they're going to be. Um, if another team is missing shots, I think they're just going to be a nightmare to defend going up and down the court. They have so many incredibly fast and athletic players that'll just get up and down and throw down uh, like crazy dunks like we saw Jonathan Simmons do the other night. I think that will just be amazing to watch, even if it's even if it's not enough to make them an overall really good offense. It will just be super fun to watch and um, I think more than anything, I'm excited to see that shake out because Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon, uh, Jonathan Simmons, Jonathan Isaac, all those guys can really move and they all can get up as we know. Um, so that, that I think will be as awesome to watch as anything. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I think, I think if you, you give Jeff Weltman credit for one thing, it does seem like he has a type um, and, and he definitely went out and got free agents or at least the key free agents that we talk about that fit that type and kind of preview the direction that he wants his team to go um it's gonna be interesting to see how he makes how they make the other pieces fit uh fit around but i you know i think again i I think he's right that this is an evaluate evaluative year and so we're gonna really he's gonna really take a close look at what the magic already have on their roster and how to grow and develop that and and then figure out what they should keep and what they should kind of discard and, and throw out and so um i think it will be interesting to see how some of those players fit fit in um you know there's already been some debate I think among the Magic fan base about the starting lineup and what direction the Magic should go. Um, Jonathan Simmons has obviously looked very good, and, and the reports from practice are that that he has helped raise the team's levels a little bit on the defensive end, especially. Uh, but what what do you what do you think um, about that debate and about the direction the starting lineup should go? Should the Magic value the continuity of last year's starting lineup, or should they be looking to mix things up a little bit? I think everything. Should- be up for grabs. I think I, I hope Jeff Weltman's attitude about evaluation is reflected in the way uh, Vogel manages his rotations. I hope I, I I mean as you know continuity obviously is valuable, um, but I really hope we do see this starting lineup change uh, change a bit. I I, I want to see uh, him try a lot of different things because there's a lot of interesting players on this roster. There's a lot of it will be hard to balance it because I think there's a good amount of. Um, one-way players in the rotation, um, but I think there's a lot to experiment with and a lot that could be really interesting. You know, are we going to see, I mean, 
probably not going to start Jonathan Isaac at center at any point this year, but are we going to see him play significant minutes there at any point in the season? I think that would be really interesting to see. Um, I don't think, um, I mean, obviously Nikola Vucevic is very adamant about starting, but I don't necessarily think um, he needs to be getting more center minutes than anyone else on the roster. I mean, if he plays his way into being in that position, then so be it. But I think everything should be up for grabs. I um, I think, you know, using this year as one to evaluate will necessitate a lot of uh, experimentation with rotations. And um, maybe Vogel will keep the starting lineup the same because, you know, players, I think, really care about whether they can think of themselves as a starter or not. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he'll probably be changing his crunch time lineups a lot. At least I hope he will. And just trying to see, you know, how each lineup works with each other. Because there's going to be a lot of lineups you can roll out that will be amazing on defense, but just can't shoot. There will be some lineups that will be really interesting to watch on offense, but will just not be able to play any defense. Um, so I think balancing all that is going to be hard. And it's going to depend probably night to night on the, on the different matchups. So um, I, I don't look at this roster and see a definitive starting five at all. And I hope... Uh, uh, Vogel will also um, kind of uh, tinker with it a lot. And I know, you know, like, like we mentioned, uh, continuity is valuable and uh, too much tinkering around with lineups can get players out of their rhythm. Um, but I, I definitely think um, using this year as one for evaluation will be important. And I think, um, you know, even in preseason, that will be very valuable. Yeah, uh, that's that's an interesting point. I mean, I think I, I've been I've been a big proponent of keeping the same starting lineup at least to start the year because of that continuity. And, uh, you know, the, the point there is that the, the offense with that lineup was really, really good, but the defense was really, really bad. And they, they were a positive overall on the floor, which is why I say stick with them, but definitely, definitely could use some defensive improvement. I think that'll be a big storyline to follow, uh, early through this, through the season. Um, as, as, as that's probably the group that they'll start the year with. Um, what, what are your impressions so far on Jonathan Isaac? I don't know where you fell with him, uh, during the draft process, um, what what you've seen so far of him, but but what what are your expectations for Jonathan Isaac? He's ob- I mean I think he is the he's the original Jeff Weltman player. So we, you know what 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 do you what do you take from him and and what he can bring to the team this year? Well, I think his biggest X factor is whether he'll be able to shoot uh, the NBA three, um, and uh, he looked pretty good uh, doing that uh, in the first preseason game. Um, but uh, that that's gonna probably be the determining factor in whether he can play alongside Aaron Gordon or not, um, at least until he can, you know, play at center when, you know, that might be, you might be able to, uh, get by having two non-shooters at the four and the five. Um, but if, if Jonathan Isaac can shoot even, at, let's say like 34% from three, which I think is, that's, that's, I don't, don't want to say it's a low bar, but that's, I, I feel like is pretty reasonable. If he can do that and be um, a, a, a decent shooter and play small forward alongside Aaron Gordon and, uh, you know, a, a different center, um, I think that he could be an extremely valuable offensive piece because we already know he looked amazing defensively in my opinion the other night. And we already know that's going to be his calling card, especially for this season, but probably in the future as well. I've heard, um, I can't remember where, but I, I recently heard someone make a Kevin Garnett in par- uh, comparison, which that's, that's very lofty. That's very lofty. I, I think he's Kevin Garnett is probably the greatest, uh, defensive player in NBA history. Um, 
But, That's very lofty. Uh, it is, it is. But I, I can see where they're coming from. Um, I know uh, one criticism of Jonathan Isaac in college was that he didn't really communicate a lot on the defensive end of the floor. Um, and that, I mean, that's something Kevin Garnett was notorious for, just constantly chattering to his teammates and to opponents. And I, I, I at least, you know, again, I, I keep harping on this one preseason game, and it might be completely irrelevant um, tonight. Uh, so we'll see. But it did seem like Jonathan Isaac was was talking a little bit more, which I think is good. He'll need to to, to communicate. Um, and his length is just – and his mobility is just amazing. It, it looks like it's um, – really going to translate with NBA players uh, right off the bat. He probably won't be a completely locked down guy his first year, and I'm not really expecting that. Um, but I think his uh, defensive versatility uh, will also make him a really interesting combination with Aaron Gordon. And if he can shoot at a passable level, uh, having that tandem could really, I think, um, throw a lot of teams for a loop. Yeah, and, and I think as Magic fans begin to see Isaac more, they'll see that his length is extremely noticeable. Um, there's, there's no getting around it. The dude is long. He's gonna, he's gonna find a way to make an impact defensively, just because he just physically he will. Um, and, and so I think he'll make an impact yeah. there. But like the Magic have said, they're gonna bring him along slowly. So you want to pump the brakes a little bit on, on maybe some of the hyperbolic comparisons. Maybe um, yeah. it's, it's gonna, it's yeah. gonna take him a while to get there. He's, he's not Kevin Garnett. Garnett kind of came in, made that impact immediately. Um, I, Isaac's going to take some time. There'll be some flashes for him, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be an interesting rookie year for him too. But definitely, uh, definitely promising from what we've seen so far. Um, what are I guess I mean just kind of scaling things back a little bit more. Um, we, we've talked a lot about it in terms of perception and national perception, but what what are your expectations for the Magic this season? What what ultimately do you think? constitutes a successful season for this team this year? Well, um, when we were first coming out of the offseason, um, I was really beating the 35-win drum. Um, I really was believing this team could... That that was um, a fairly realistic target, which could be an eight seed. But, um, you know, digging more into last season's numbers, um, the team won 29 games, but the point differential... Um, was that of a, I believe, 23 or 24 win team. So that will be something the team needs to overcome. Um, even though uh, the the starting lineup at the end of last season had a positive net rating, the bench was just so bad. Like yeah. It was just an absolute disaster. R- really, I think... Um, the, by far the worst in the league, and there's not even uh, it's not even close. And there were some it bad wasn't. benches. There, in the there, there's stats year. to show that it wasn't. Um, yeah, no, it, and yeah, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see uh, what this team looks like because I think um, a lot of the reasons the bench was very bad last year um, will kind of not be relevant anymore because uh, I think Jeff Green was a a big reason for why the the a lot of second units were just porous on both ends of the court, um, and he's no longer on the team, obviously. Um, and uh, DJ Augustine was another reason. I think those teams, were, those uh, second units were bad, uh, especially when playing him alongside Bismack Biombo, which is just not a combination that can work at all and should never be on the court at the same time, quite frankly. Um, uh, I, and now I think, at least I hope, Shelvin Mack will replace Augustine in the rotation. Um, so I think those bench units will at least be, um, they, they, they won't be 
absolutely terrible. They probably they probably won't still be good, but they can be below average, and it will still be a market improvement from last season. So, um, you know, if that if that starting lineup can maintain that positive net rating, and the the second units are only you know mildly below average or just kind of like C C minus um, units, then I think that alone will bring the team from a a 24 win range to more of like a 30 win range. I, I think 35 is a little overly optimistic, but I think overall what this team will want to, to, to see from itself is just, you know, consistent effort and just getting the most out of the players that will be here, hopefully in the long term. And that's, you know, Aaron Gordon, that's Jonathan Isaac. That's probably Elf Payton. Um, if we can just get, you know, distinct steps forward from those guys. Um, I think that's really all that matters, whether it's a 24 win season or a 35 win season. Yeah, I think that's all, that's all on point. I mean, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to put a number on this team uh, for all the reasons that you said. And honestly, I'm not even sure a number is important. I think, I think it would be nice to see this team playing meaningful games in March and April. Um, I think that would be a big step forward, even if they fall short of the playoffs. Um, but I don't want to. I don't think a win total is necessarily as important as is individual development, getting guys kind of getting bumping guys' value back up, kind of getting everyone back to their to their level where last year everyone was below average or below their level it seemed uh, because of roster yeah. construction and just how how poorly the team was put together. Uh, so it's definitely going to be an interesting year. Um, you know, like 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 I think you and I have said, it's it's definitely a year to kind of take a step back and 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 evaluate everything. So. Uh, it, 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 I think as a fan or a long-term fan, there's probably no bad results. As a short-term fan, as long as the team is a little more entertaining to watch, which I think they will be with their more open, you know, fast-breaking style, um, I think that will be good for the Magic in the long term too, Is uh, even kind of building perception. I mean, I think part of the problem for the Magic the last four or five years is they really didn't have an identity. They didn't have anything to say, this is how we play even you know, like even the Nets last year had an identity. They weren't a good team, but they had a distinct style of how they played. And I think that's something that the Magic are missing. And hopefully, that you know, this new offense that they're putting in, uh, Frank Vogel bringing, bring, you know, having a training camp to teach defense. Hopefully, that will create that identity that they can then build and move forward with. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, that identity and starting to build a culture will just. Um, that I think will do a lot to change um, the national perception of the team. I mean, um, you mentioned the Nets, but also I think the Lakers last season really improved yeah. their their culture. I, I think just the kind of aura around that team um, just felt a lot better than it had been in the past. Like it seemed like all the players were, were happier, and um, and pl- I, I mean, obviously they had a you know they did not win very many games. But they did have that run at the beginning of the season that was interesting. Um, and I think just having something like that where we can look back on the season and feel like this team established itself as, you know, having this Orlando identity, um, I think would, would just be uh, would just be awesome. And that's what I'm really hoping they'll accomplish. Yeah, and, and if they can do that, maybe maybe things will change. You know, the outlook about this team will, will change dramatically. Uh, Ricky, I want to thank you for yeah. joining us today on the podcast. Um, the article, if you haven't read it, it's from about a week ago. I'll post links up on the Locked On Magic uh, Twitter page as well as Facebook page uh, later on on Friday. 
is Orlando Magic have a national reputation to repair. Uh, so be sure to check that out on orlandomagicdaily.com. Ricky, uh, where can everyone find you on the interwebs? Uh, yeah, well, obviously I write for orlandomagicdaily.com, so I'm... Uh, I, I was working on a 2018 draft preview, but my hard drive broke, so I lost that. But that will come eventually. Um, still working on it, so that that should be out, you know, in the coming months. Um, and uh, other than that, or coming weeks, I should say. Um, other than that, you can find me on Twitter at scricca one s c r i c c a one. And yeah, that's it. Awesome, Ricky. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, sitting down to talk a little about the Orlando Magic uh, on today's episode of Locked on Magic. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Our thanks once again to Ricky for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the Magic. We talked a little bit about the national perception of the Orlando Magic as well as a preview of this coming season and how they can change that, and certainly wins help with that. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Magic. I want to thank you all again for listening. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic if you're looking for that companion article about the Magic needing to change their national perception. You can, of course, do that uh, by checking out the Locked On Magic Facebook page as well as following us on Twitter at Locked On Magic. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And, of course... For the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can also follow the website on Twitter at omagicdaily, as well as like us on Facebook at Orlando Magic Daily. And with the season right around the corner, you can subscribe to Locked On Magic if you have not already by checking out uh, by checking out uh, the podcast on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places that you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Plenty of places to check out Locked on Magic. So if you haven't subscribed already and you like this show or don't like this show or kind of like the show, um, just just subscribe. It's it's cool. We're, we're, we're cool. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just be there waiting for you when, when you're ready to listen. That's going to do it for me though. I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. The Saturday's game against the Miami Heat is on TV on Fox Sports Florida in Orlando. So if you can't make it down to the Amway Center, you can check it out on TV for the first time this week. NBA season for the Orlando Magic, or at least the Orlando Magic broadcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again Monday on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.